Thanks for listening to Coach Your Brains Out, presented by Gold Medal Squared. This is part two of our conversation with Stafford Slick and his partner talking about world championships. Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. So the reward of beating Evandro and Bruno, um, you get the Rio silver medalists, the Italians, Lupo and Nikolai, former six-man teammates. Uh, Lupo is quite the ringer in six-man, loves to shoot a high line against six back on defense. (laughs) Whereas Nikolai is unstoppable in sixer. Um, So what were some of the changes, challenges you guys faced coming off of possibly the biggest win of your career? um going into that next one yeah I'll, I'll start i think one of the challenges um was just the idea of like comparing ourselves to other teams and other americans and where we sit for me that was a challenge because we just come off this huge win we were the first match of the day we jumped to ninth place and we were feeling really good about ourselves and on paper we're competing with all the other americans for olympic spots and that just gave us a ton of points and then later in the day every single other men's team from the USA one. <laughs> so we're like, dang it. So there's a little bit of not that you root against the other teams, but you definitely root against the other teams. And so it felt like, yeah, like we hadn't really gained any ground. It felt like a little bit like that. And we, here we had another really tough draw. Yeah. I think to add to that, like just the, the feedback and the excitement and the Holy cow texts that we got from like family and friends and, followers on social media and stuff like that like i mean nobody expected us to beat evandro bruno let alone take him in straight sets and you know we we just punched our ticket to the top 10 and so we were kind of riding on you know cloud nine for a little bit and allowed ourselves to do that because it was a big win and and like you said possibly the biggest win of our career i think there's no question in both our minds that given the stage and and the cavalier of team we played like that was for sure the biggest win of our careers to date so um so yeah we were fired up and and feeling real good and the draw for the next day didn't really kind of hit us until later in the evening and um I think one of the things that was really powerful for me uh, coming out of our ninth sports psychology session <laughs> um, was uh, was something that Peter said, and he said, um, it's important for you to have those good feelings because you guys did a great job, but those good feelings don't do anything to prepare you for your match tomorrow. And, mm-hmm. and I thought that was super powerful because so many times I think teams ride on like, Oh, we won and we did this and we're unstoppable. And then they realize soon enough that they're not unstoppable if they don't take their preparation seriously. And so, um, his recommendation to us was allow yourselves to have those good feelings, but give it an, give it an end date or an end time. So that once that time is up, you can focus the rest of your time and energy moving forward on preparation for the next match. Yeah, and you guys played a great match against a great team, and I think it was uh, all three sets were due sets, and uh, you guys were prepared and played really well. And unfortunately, it barely went the Italians' way. 
Um, so as we get going through, can you guys take us through scouting reports and like what you guys would take away and what, you know, you get all this information from the stats and from coaches, but then what, what are the things that you actually want to hear? And is it different as a blocker or a defender? What, what do you, what helps the most? Yeah, I think, I mean, in terms of a blocking perspective, um, one of the things that was really helpful from a scouting report standpoint was um, percentage of hits versus percentage of shots. So whether a guy's more of a shooter or a hitter, um, because I think that really kind of identifies the biggest obstacle for us to overcome from a block and D perspective. If we know a guy is going to come out guns blazing and swinging, it's my job as a blocker to stop him. I'm the first line of defense and any of the guys on the world tour um, at that elite level are absolutely hammering balls. And so even if it gets past me, the odds of us digging that and being able to transition out of it, even though you're a great defender, Billy uh, are pretty low. And so, um, kind of getting myself into that headspace right off the bat of this guy's a hitter, this guy's a shooter, um, keys me into the the blocking strategies that I need to use. Mm. Anything for you, Billy? Yeah, I think we had um, some good idea on, especially against like Russia, their hitting percentage when they're running it out of the middle or when they're passing you know, to that location versus when let's say if the left left side we serve him wide and he's already out by the pin, his hitting percentage was way higher than when we serve him more to the seam and he's kind of hitting more to the middle. And so I think just having those serving targets, especially because I'm not blasting my serve like Stafford's jumper, it's more of like a location thing. That gave me some really good targets to focus on. Um, having a heat map of kind of where their hits tend to go um, because they have a normal base defense and then what a little variation might be for every hitter. So we're not doing anything crazy different against guys, but maybe I'm playing this guy a little sharper or this guy a little more in the seam ready for a line shot, just kind of an idea of where the most of their hits go. And then I would say thirdly, one of the things we talked about was like this guy as a blocker, this team is better at defending hits versus shots or vice versa. And so just knowing that in the back of my mind, I still come in the same way, but maybe I would throw in more shots against certain teams um, and against other teams. Maybe I come in swinging a little more. It, it reminded think, me, oh. sorry. No, you go ahead. I was going to add to um, one of the things that I thought was really helpful too. And something that became kind of a buzzword for us throughout the course of that week was identifying, um, a player's weapon. So in the context of our match against Evandro and Bruno, we identified Evandro's serve as one of the biggest weapons that that team has. And, um, one of the things that we talked about was we we understand that that's a weapon. We understand that that's how they score points. So what can we do to disarm that weapon? And so what that meant for us was we need to be make to make sure that we're going through our serve receive process to make sure that we're stepping in, ready to pass, ready to receive bullets. And um, Evandro came out jump serving and then by I would say like the second side switch of the second set he was standing float serve because he wasn't putting anything down on us and so at that point we knew that we had successfully like disarmed that weapon and and I think from like a a scouting perspective or a coaching perspective being able to identify 
you know, the things that the team you're about to face does really well and figure out ways that you can attack those and, and take that away from them almost was, uh, ended up being a really helpful strategy for us. Yeah, it was, it was really cool to talk about it before, but then to see you actually go out there, there and uh, disarm it. So it I, also, reminded- I love thinking about Billy imagining himself as Steven Seagal in a beach volleyball match. <laughs> yeah. So it, it reminded me of a, of a moment, um, in that match against Evandro, the yeah biggest match of your career, you guys win the first set. You're winning 19-18 in the second set, I believe. Stafford's back to serve, um, and you throw up your toss. And then can you tell us what happened, Stafford? Uh, yeah, I threw up my toss, and the DJ on the court in like this Red Bull Jeep with super loud speakers, like starts blasting music right after my toss. Uh, and so I caught it, which probably wasn't the best, uh, plan, but like the up ref, I like looked at the up ref, like what the heck the guy like over the speakers said, Oh, I'm sorry, Stafford. And then like both of Andrew and Bruno were like, uh, whatever, like no big deal. Like go back and reserve. So yeah, there was, yeah, to serve, to get to a, get us to set point, um, got a huge wrench thrown into it, but, um, and what'd you do to reset after going through that for the next serve? Yeah, so um, I'd spent a lot of time um, in this offseason, actually, and kind of preseason figuring out a routine for my serve. Um, and I kind of shifted and altered in a lot of different ways and then kind of finally landed on something that was pretty successful in Seattle and continued to use it uh, throughout world championships. And um kind of laughed it off um swish balls with the ball girl uh the volunteer uh got just like a fresh start and went through my process and routine again and uh snapped a jump serve clean off at uh, bruno and we lined him up and he <laughs> sent it about two feet out of bounds to give us set point and billy yeah. had it though if it was in i think oh for sure i was yeah. all over that <laughs> <laughs> was doubled up in the angle <laughs> Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, that was a big play for us. And, you know, it was, it was cool to hear, uh, I know we've been talking about Peter a lot, but, um, you know, we had our sports psych session the next day and he was like, I was just so impressed with how he was so impressed with how I handled that situation. And at the time for me, and even now it still doesn't seem like a big deal, but like kind of looking at objectively like hey it's world champs and you're about to maybe take down one of the you know top metal contenders in the first round of playoffs like it was a pretty big moment it was a huge moment yeah you could have been the victim or making excuses about how it was unfair that the dj did that and you could have been rattled yeah john when you're you spend a lot of time on the days off looking at video and stuff. Uh, what do you look for when you're scouting matches? Um, what are kind of the key things that you want to tell your teams? Uh, well, it was really helpful there to have all the statistics. So that, that helped guide it. But I tried to figure out like their one or two favorite attacks. And I think that was the first thing just to give you guys. I, I think with those players, they can do so many things that it'd be easy to show you guys 10 different attacks that they could do. So it's trying to just make it simpler and find the most common. And then to figure out what part of the court they want to hit from. And then you can see with the stats, like where they hit best from. So identifying like when they're by the antenna, they do this, but let's try to not, let's try to get them more in the middle. 
um, yeah, I think things like that. But I think another big thing is to identify and remind you guys of your your strengths and maybe what what you can you can take advantage of this team. Uh, their their blockers a little bit better against hit. So you know, Billy, use your high line a lot. Uh, things like that. I think it's it's uh, easy to just identify or focus on the other side, but it's good to spend time figuring out how you can uh, help your side's offense as well. Yeah, and I think one thing that was really cool is, yeah, I mean, that that was very um, apparent in your scouting reports is that all the information was pretty easy to digest. It wasn't, oh, we have to do these minute little things. Or if you see him, like, open his shoulder. like You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't the minutia. It was pretty basic things that if we set up and and – play for these we're going to get a look at a couple of points right and that might be the difference so it was it was information that was easy to digest and um wasn't overwhelming but then i like that every single i mean it was almost like copy and paste at the end of every scouting report it was grateful for the opportunity to be here as a team and control the things that we can control right it just we always capped it off with you know what things we do well as a team and and bringing that identity to every match I'd say that this is the highest level of beach volleyball you've reached in your career. Yeah, I think the world stage, the tournament itself being what it is, but I think also, um, I think we played really well as a team. Um, and it's, you know, a ninth place finish isn't winning the tournament, but I think this was um, sometimes you play and it's like one player is playing great and the other guy's getting picked on. And I felt like throughout we both both played well. It was less of like the partner having to pick up the slack. I felt like we were both on the same page and we got, you know, ruts here and there, but I think jointly this was our strongest tournament. Stafford, what about you? Do you have anything to add? Um, probably not much to add other than to just agree completely. Um, you know, we're on this journey together and I think one of the things that really kind of inspires me about Billy and and about the partnership that we have is that we're both committed to the process and um it's it's easy to say and harder to do because the process isn't always successful and failure is a huge part of that and um we've definitely taken our licks at some tournaments but trusting in that process and in, in each other and in the team that we have around us um I think definitely allowed us to tap into a level of volleyball that we have not put together before. So um, it was a pretty special event. So what are the what are the challenges in sustaining that level for the rest of the year? Well, I think we've already faced it a little this week with some pretty subpar practices. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I think it was tough going from like really high level competition mode back to the grind of. Uh, an early morning in Hermosa when you don't have any fans around um, and just still getting back to work. And there's still a lot we need to get better at. And, you know, each practice is a chance to do that. Um, even if it's just me, you and Stafford at the beach, um, just having that same level of intensity, I think is, is key. It's kind of your like chop wood, carry water moment. Like you've reached the highest level of enlightenment in the sport that you have. And then it's like, all right, time to pump up the balls now and yeah. check the Do net. It. And yeah, 
for sure. Spend spend fifteen minutes at Eighth Street trying to put a net together and not get my warm up. <laughs> no, I was like missing my warm up with Christian and like didn't have a sports bike the night before and yeah. So I mean, there was didn't there was play definitely... Settlers of Catan. <laughs> right. I mean, there was definitely kind of a a, a reality check moment. Not reality check because uh, I mean, I don't want to to make it seem like playing at an elite level isn't our reality because I, I think it can and will be, but it's, it's just a commitment to that process again. And I think, yeah, it was, it was a little bit tricky just because we've been on the move competing pretty much straight through the last two months. Like I've had more dinners with Billy than I've had with anyone on the planet in the last, in the last two months. Like I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. We spent a lot of time together and, and, and yeah. So then, you know, to kind of come back and go, okay, all right, well, we're practicing and our next event isn't for another week or so. Like we kind of, I think got lulled into a little bit of, uh, the doldrums a little bit. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, I think the awareness piece is there though. I mean, we had a kind of a little powwow after our practice, uh, yesterday and, Billy just kind of asked, okay, how are we going to play better on Friday? <laughs> or what are we going to do to to bring the intensity that we know we need to bring and know we can bring uh, to a practice? So, um, yeah, so I think that awareness is huge and keeping each other in check is is a big part of that too. I also so what's... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Billy. I also think that it's really cool how sports... Um, like Stafford was saying, anybody can beat anybody. We, you know, we had a great tournament and we finished high and it doesn't really earn us our next win. Uh, we can still show up to an AVP and lose first round to Avery Drost. Um, you know, like it, uh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like we've like attained some like peak, you know, it still feels like when, it was nice to see that when we do everything right and play our best, we can compete with the top teams in the world. But I didn't feel like that bought us any credit for any other future matches. Yeah. What, and, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say too that that's kind of that's reflected too just in how the other US teams have done. I mean, they went straight from world champs to Stad, the next five-star event and um, you know, we had a team, two of our teams finished 25th in that event, you know, took dead last and you know, one of that team, one of those teams is Trevor and Try and they took a fourth, you know, they were in the bronze medal match at world championships so yeah it's crazy it's just it it just shows that the rest of the world is nasty and and you have to you have to be on top of your game mentally physically all of it in order to compete and succeed so then what's the gap between you guys in the top uh, five ten teams in the world and what do you guys need to do to close that gap transition john um <laughs> that's that's been one of the areas that we have identified that separates us from other teams. Um, seems like we get teams at a system and we side out uh, and serve receive at a pretty high level, but just winning the transition battle, um, converting some of my, a lot more of my digs into kills and also stopping them when they dig us and they're at a system, resetting on D and making more transition stops. Stafford, what about you? Anything else besides transition? And um, Billy just obviously getting better. Yeah, if Billy was better, uh, we would probably be a top team in the world. No, for sure. Um, very self-deprecating. But no, it's uh, again, those are what the numbers are telling us. Um, and 
you know, it, it's interesting just because I feel like I feel like Billy and I balance each other out really well. Billy's got a very analytical mind. And even when he was talking about his serve of what's important, like mine is more of a mentality focus. And Billy's is more of like I have to toss up my right shoulder and on my second step. And, you know, so it's it's very analytical in that sense. But I mean, in terms of how what's the next step for us as a team? I don't think there's a next step. I think it's a continuation of everything that we did to compete at a really high level at world champs. So using everything we learned and the resources that we had at that tournament and trying to continue to utilize those throughout this process of trying to qualify for Tokyo. Um, you know, I think a lot of pressure gets put on us to to earn points and do that. But I think we play our best ball when the points don't matter. The opponent doesn't necessarily matter. And we're tapped in and focused on each individual point and um, really capitalizing on every opportunity that we can. And so, I mean, that obviously includes transition into it. But I think it's it's it has a lot to do with a... a a mentality that's devoted to hard work and the dedication to the process. That's cool. There are, there are a lot of just great nuggets throughout. It's crazy. Like how many experiences you had in one tournament that seem to really run the whole spectrum of what you would face in a season. Yeah, it, it definitely felt like, I mean, 10 days felt like a long time, but like it was literally long, <laughs> but also, yeah, no, but experientially, I mean, yeah, I mean, just in terms of what we experience, the challenges, the obstacles, the opportunities, like, and, and you know, just kind of the, the fun little adventures that we had and, and took together, like, I think that whole experience was was amazing for me. And it was something that I, you know, Billy was kind of downplaying world champs, like, oh, I didn't even know it was that kind of big of a deal, <laughs> like, as we were going into it. I can't remember... I wanted to slap you every time you said that, but <laughs> <laughs> like, but for me, it was, I mean, you know, it wasn't the culmination of my career by any stretch of the imagination, but it was, it was an experience I'll never forget for sure. Uh, one of the things I'm most proud of about that, those 10 days was that we got better throughout the week. And sometimes when you enter a tournament, it's easy just to be like, what I need to do to feel my best and to be playing like the game I know how to play where I feel like we were trying to seize every opportunity to make improvements. Um, I mean, there's stuff during the tournament I was changing technique wise, which a lot of people would say is a no, no. Um, there's, we were seeing, like we said, Peter as much as possible, because maybe there's stuff we can learn that we, we can carry with us the rest of the season. And we were definitely playing better ball at the end of the tournament than before, not just because we happened to be playing well, but I think we were, had improved like we'd learned stuff and we'd gotten better and that was uh for sure a goal of mine rather than just to show up and play with the game we had you guys both seem to have i mean there, there's some recency for it like it's a pretty recent tournament but you seem to have great clarity around the experiences that you had in the tournament is that did you guys journal like did you journal after matches did you write stuff down or are you just both like razor sharp non-dementia people <laughs> we had a uh, we had some debriefs uh, as a team which definitely helps and um, i was also writing blogs for the fivb so i had to put down in um, creative detail uh, our experiences um, so that was a good exercise for me just to kind of capture a lot of this stuff and i definitely took notes um, when we had our team meeting sessions with john and peter 
Um, I did not take notes. Um, and he took Instagram notes. I took Instagram notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The world knows my notes. No. Um, no, I didn't take notes. Uh, I jotted a few things down from our session. Some of the things that were powerful and impactful, like the, you know, carrying the field, the good feelings from one match to another. I thought that was really great for Peter, but um uh, I mean, I took, I, I put down our calendar, I put it in the spreadsheet and did all that. And like going back and reflecting on that, like it just kind of brings up all of these, you know, different memories and experiences that we had. And um, so, I mean, that's kind of like a, a chronological journal, I guess, and in, in a sense of here are the things that we did and, and what the schedule that we stuck to. And, but um, yeah, I'm glad we're doing this uh, now, actually, because I was just thinking about, I hope stuff and now yeah. exist forever as long as your podcast does <laughs> yeah well we'll just do this every time you guys have an event yeah right perfect yeah um so you guys have any feedback for your coach uh just really grateful john that you t- took the time to come out there and be with us um it was a longer trip than even you expected we had to change your flight because we were doing well um john i don't know if you guys know this but on the fivb coaches aren't given the red carpet treatment um so john was staying on our floor in our hotel room he got got the actual carpet carpet treatment treatment. (laughs) (laughs) we bought him a camping mat which was were we able to return that no No. so we have we're the proud owners of a thermorest camping mat so john next event i'm set um but no we it was one of the conversations that we had going in we didn't have a coaching stipend so um, we had to pay for john's flight ourselves and we're like ah shoot this is expensive it's gonna be worth it and we're like oh if there's any tournament we'd want to have him for this is it and i think there's no way we did as well as we did if we didn't have him there um and it was fun to hang out with and he talked me into uh going to bob dylan the last night after we lost which was uh i don't know if it was a highlight but i'm glad we went it it was pretty cool you didn't get stabbed (laughs) <laughs> it was a, billy it was did a, say though that he almost kind of morosely hoped that it would be bob dylan's last show so that he could say that he <laughs> oh, had been to bob dylan's last show <laughs> by by choice or, or by death by death I yeah i was hoping like halfway through knocking on heaven's door there's just light opened up on <laughs> the ceiling and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Billy's mind gets pretty dark. We oh did do God. an entire podcast just about Billy's thoughts, deep yeah. thoughts. Yeah, Billy let's hypnotize him and just <laughs> deeper and deeper. Let's use this with a sports psychiatrist and. But yeah, John, and... thanks, thanks for being a part, being a part of it, and for uh, all your work. I'm honored. I learned more from you guys than you probably learned from me. I believe. So it. I do have, I do have one question to, to finish it off. That's important one. It's do you guys remember who won the final night of Settlers of Catan? I think there's a conspiracy. Conspiracy. (laughs) I uh nope. So I remember everything else from the trip, but I don't remember that. So for for most of the week, Andrew, we're explaining the rules to John and like John, you can't do that. And John this was that his first time? Oh my god. It had been a while. Um but then John won the final night. But by wow. night, here's, team, so here's night what happened. Here's what happened. Was Stafford was aggressively in the lead and basically a shoe in. 
And had then, the longest road. Biggest. I had army. the longest road. I didn't have the biggest army. I don't spend development cards that well. Um, he but, was buying uh, settlements by the coast that don't do anything just to expand yeah. his empire. But he was yeah. a wheat baron, wasn't he? Yeah, I had. I for sure had a wheat port and was cashing in aggressively. And then all of a sudden, John and Bill go. Hey, should we just team up? What do you oh have? What do you need? God. Right? Exactly. Worst. It's absolutely the worst. And the worst. It's an asterisk for John. Is um, there a rule oh. against that? It it was it was pretty funny. Like telling you, can only trade on your turn. So yeah, it sounds did. like you guys may have had yeah. some side action. Put it straight. Put cool. it straight. Um, it, it was pretty funny. Like in the text threads with our our friends that we were basically on a 10-day bachelor party <laughs> where we didn't have any wives or children in the room and we were playing board games and i was like yeah except oh. it was free food and massages too um but but it was except it was, for john except for john he, yeah, he had board. to get our, our leftover scraps um but no but i thought just the idea of playing board games every night became part of a routine and it was a really cool way for us to bond and get off our phones for the most part um and spend time <laughs> together i think i got we talk about a lot of the stuff that's away from volleyball that you remember about these trips, like the relationships you make and um, the good times. And for sure, I'll remember like playing old school board games uh, every night in Germany. It was quite the trip. Congrats on putting together an amazing tournament. Now you guys better get after it tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be up. the most difficult practice of the year. That's right. Nice work, guys. That was fun. Thanks, Jack. Stafford, you're, you're welcome to come back anytime. Oh, yeah. perfect. You did great. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Guys. Billy will need a will need a written statement. Uh, he can yeah. he can for sure take my spot. <laughs> <laughs> Upgrade. Thanks for listening to Coach Your Brains Out, presented by Gold Medal Squared. To support the show, visit Patreon.com/slash Coach Your Brains Out and buy a book. Um, they're available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. And if you liked it, we'd love if you would write a review.